0: guys, um, welcome to the first episode of the Beyond series and to start this I am bringing on both someone who is, uh, um, if someone would ask me who I would want to be like when I am in my 50s, I would say Anuja. <laughs> so hi Anuja, welcome to the show. Hi Ashir,
1: thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is Anuja Luth. and uh, if I back and I think of my first interaction with her or her family was uh, when I was at the organic farmer market and uh, then I met her late husband Atul who was there with their daughter Anya and her boyfriend Sidak and uh, who knew that you know someday through a mutual friend we would be introduced and I would know them more than someone who is just a customer you know in passing by. So later I got invited to her place which is the Aura farm. So the Aura property is co-designed by Anuja which includes Aura Pottery Studio, Potter's Villa, uh, OKG which is the organic kitchen garden, the Red Alchemy office which recently came up and of course the family residence. So this place when I was there it took me by an awe. I was floored at how you know it reflected simplicity yet it had that sophistication and warmth and of course it was so well coexisting with nature. So the red alchemy that spoke about earlier is the digital marketing company, which is running since. Since when are you guys doing this, Anuja? Well, we started in
1: 1986 as a visual communication company. Wow. But uh, huh. yeah, so that's like a really long way time back. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And also the pottery studio, which was a recent hobby which she picked up and later led to starting a studio. Alright, so enough of my blabbering and I'll quickly begin with the discussions and dig some of your mind and uh, thought process behind all of this. Okay, so the first one is that, um, you know, the first thing which um, got me really intrigued was the fact that you're a potter. And so what took you to this and um, how how is it as a journey of practicing an art form and how does it help you personally and help you grow as a person?
1: Well, uh, you know, I've seen. I started doing pottery in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, and the journey for me started with, uh, you know, a, a road trip that we'd taken to Palampur and uh, my family, my kids and my husband and I, we ended up going to the, uh, going to Andretta <clears throat> Pottery out there
2: okay. and
1: uh, the people who run Andretta Pottery Minnie and Mary, they had uh, done a workshop with us when we were in college. Mm -hmm. So, there was almost like a 20-year gap from that time to the time that I met them now when I started doing pottery. Uh And uh, we went to this uh, place and we had a beer with them and chatted with them and told them that we'd met them like 20 years back in college Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: just walked into the studio and did a little bit of pottery. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I just, kind of remember that bit very distinctly because I was sitting on a kick wheel and I was working with some terracotta clay, like a small ball of terracotta clay uh-huh. and uh, I was trying to center the ball of clay and make a pot and I closed my eyes and I was feeling that clay under my fingers and mm. it was just a thought that kind of came into my mind which was this is something I want to do. Uh-huh. and so I made that first spot there and then washed my hands, felt very happy about it and that was it basically. Oh, and okay. then I came back to Chandigarh, got back at work and you know into the you know, daily routine of life and did not actually do anything about the pottery, which hmm. I kind of really felt a very strong um, urge to do when I was in Amrita. Okay. And then uh, I think it just kind of, I just probably just got so stuck doing my daily thing, you know, day in day out. Hmm. And then one day, maybe closer to the end of the year, it just occurred to me that, you know, if I have to do it, then I should look for something nearby and figure how to, you know, go about doing this
2: thing. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So then I managed to get some classes locally and then just literally dived into it and said, okay, let's let me go buy a wheel and let me go buy a bag of clay. Hmm. And I remember it was winter, horribly cold.
2: Yeah.
1: But I was very determined. I was, got pretty obsessed with it, actually. Hmm and uh, set up my wheel in studio in Aura so thankfully we had like already built a fairly nice uh, studio space
2: Right
1: So I um, just kind of installed my wheel there started working, practicing and that's where it started for me mm. and then slowly it became one of those things which was you know um, something that you kind of feel the need to do because you just want time out of your regular uh, routine right. and it, it just literally became a meditative exercise for me because I knew you know whenever I go to the studio it's going to be like nothing is important or exists or matters or uh, is to be thought of it's like literally like you've gone into you know zero gravity <laughs> uh, zone okay. and yeah. you're just doing your own thing and you don't give two hoops about anything else at that point in time wow. so mm-hmm. it is kind of grew from there and you know it started with just that one wheel and one bag of clay
2: Hmm.
1: and then yeah it's been quite a journey (laughs) as of today it's a fully equipped studio and this happened about what two years back okay Mm -hmm. yeah it's a fully equipped studio and I have people coming from all over the world for retreats and things like that so it's been quite a a crazy
0: journey really how interesting That's how it started. I really like the whole meditative part and you know and it takes you somewhere different than the whole uh, mundane routine yeah. and yeah so you know I, I see that uh, people around me like people of my age and they barely develop such hobbies and it's only about you know consuming a lot of information from outside and not getting into creating something or developing something. So, um, how do you think this can be built around people or how how parents can build this in their children or what what takes them, what takes you, or I remember even my childhood has been somewhat like that, that you know, we were given this freedom to explore things. And uh, Mm -hmm. so what do you think that takes uh, to build such kind of mindset and, gravitates you towards such constructive things in life?
1: Mm, I think it's a very person-to-person thing, Ashwin, because uh, there are some people who are happy to sit and waste their entire life, (laughs) and (laughs) and then there are some who are just not willing to waste even like five minutes of their day. Hmm. So, it's also about your own discipline and the fact that, you know, you're living your entire day consciously. Like, we keep talking about living a conscious life, but I think, you know, it will start from your day. Hmm. If you were just conscious of your day through the day and you say that, okay, I've got like, you know, the next 12 hours to do something, uh, you know, make myself useful or whatever. Hmm. um, One individually needs to uh, kind of... Pay attention to that time and say that you know I can utilize this
2: yeah. in a good way.
1: Yeah. And I think there is so much distraction. You know, nowadays it's not about just um, your generation; it's about like pretty much every generation. Yeah, because I think you, you mean, know there's I think so much distraction.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So I think it's important to, I mean, I'm not really, being, I'm not very clear on how to explain to you how people can do this better, hmm. but I think that if we just started from one small thing, which is that you became mindful of your day and you became mindful of your time
2: hmm. and
1: you kind of did not waste it right. because that's the most precious thing you have, you know, like when you sleep at night, you don't even know whether you're going to wake up in the morning or not.
2: So it's important
1: mm-hmm. to kind of not put things off for the next day, you know, and try to do much in that day. The other thing that I kind of figured was that if one, um, we tend to also kind of, you know, drag things forward in time without uh, realizing that there's no need to do that. Like for instance, when we leave office,
2: mm-hmm. we
1: still keep thinking about office or about work even when we are back home which right. is completely counterproductive, it's not adding any value. So that's the other thing, if we kind of train our mind to
0: being in you the know, present, not think, maybe. Yeah. yeah
1: And then maybe find something to do which will, you know, not just be a distraction, but will be a value addition to your uh, day. Uh-huh. Then it automatically becomes a value addition to your life. And we actually grew up like that. We were taught a lot of stuff. Yeah. and. We were not ever, uh, you know, uh, our parents didn't really um, let us sit around doing nothing. If hmm. we were sitting around doing nothing, they gave us something to do, such as clean the room, or yeah. <laughs> go do some dusting, or do, go cook something, or hmm. you know, fix a light bulb. So that's how we were also. That's that was the environment that I grew up in. So therefore, it comes naturally to me yeah. to utilize
0: right. my time. I think yeah, yeah. I think it it's probably the environment that matters a lot what kind of environment that you set for your children and they would probably take that shape i because i i I think i want to give a lot of credit to the fact that uh, i was pushed into reading quite early like uh, i think that also sort of opens up your mind to explore things and there's just so much beyond your uh, boundaries and i think that also kind of um, takes you to exploring things and taking up other things in life than just you know the routine things probably
2: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. so i remember this one time that uh, again at the organic farmer market here in chandigarh i uh, you were there and we were having a conversation around uh, how should we eat should should we go vegan or should i avoid gluten completely and uh, and i remember you mentioned then that um, you feel that we should close our eyes when we eat and be mindful of what we are, how we are eating. So then you kind of, your body kind of gives you that signal that you know, are you eating right? Is it the right combination? And how much you should eat? Because we, we, I think a lot of people depend on outside information of somebody else outside guiding them that you know, okay, you should eat two bananas for breakfast, and then you should, should eat these many calories. Uh, but I think there's a very different uh, uh, structure to all this maybe you shouldn't look at eating like that so uh, mm. this is something that stayed back with me when you said and I think I practiced <laughs> that and and I love it I, uh, uh, yeah so so what's your take on it and so
1: so basically you know, first you must know that I am not really much of a foodie so I don't know whether this advice coming from me is a good (laughs) idea for people who love food so I don't look at food the way people look at it you know, it's like really tasty or I'm having a craving for this or that or Uh. the other so I've never had cravings for food
2: Wow
1: I have, yeah, it's like um, the one thing I used to love as a kid was ice cream and then over a period of time I kind of, you know um, got rid of my craving for sugar so you know slowly just disciplining myself a little bit but in general I have to say I am not like a big foodie Mm. however uh, what became very clear to me was that everything that you are putting in your mouth is having some sort of an effect or impact on your body Mm. and it's either giving you uh, a negative or a positive uh, sort of you know value at the end of it Hmm. And uh, so, somewhere along the line, I don't really remember when, but somewhere along the line it just mattered to me whether what I'm putting in my mouth is nutrition or not.
0: Right. Hmm. As
1: against tasty or not.
0: I think it takes a lot of discipline probably to do that.
1: Well, because like I said, I'm not a foodie and taste Hmm. wasn't such a big thing, so I just said, "Hello, forget the taste, let's just focus on the nutrition. Yeah. (laughs) but uh, you know the closing eyes mala thing that you were saying it's, uh, it's it's not something that I also practice all the time. Yeah, it's just yeah, an sure. enjoyable thing to do. Hmm, but mm-hmm. there's you know in India they say that you do like come and do peet puja, which means like. Pate uh, is stomach and puja is worship, so let's right. go to stomach, stomach worship, and we go and sit down to eat, uh-huh. which means that whatever we are putting into our mouth is actually worship for our stomach. and it's like going and sitting in a temple, so you won't mm. take a bottle of goose into a temple, or something like that.
2: Right.
1: So, and then, for those, you know, like, people way older than us, and previous generations would always say that you must chew your food very well like 32 Mm. times Mm. which was very true for the kind of food that they ate because it was uh, harder to chew and uh, digest and we guys just end up eating a lot of food which just melts in our mouth. we don't have an opportunity to even chew it so that was one and the other was you know uh, put a bite in your uh, mouth and then close your eyes and then uh, chew that food uh, meditatively hmm.
2: and uh, you know
1: enjoy the flavor of whatever you are eating and then the enzymes in your saliva do their digestive uh, work which is yeah. technically <laughs> the part in your mouth right. and uh, then you actually savor the taste of the food and the texture of the food and the pleasure of eating food a lot more Mm. And because you will block out all the other senses and you close your eyes, you, you will get focused only in that uh, moment you think what you're eating what you are eating. So, I am happy to hear you remember that and <laughs> you practice it on a shop. <laughs> yeah. I think if somebody, well, whenever I have asked somebody to try it, they have always opened their eyes and said "Oh, really felt good. Yeah. So it's it's
0: yeah, not something one can do all the time. I mean, yeah, i sure. by
1: sure. It'll be really funny. It's very right? true for people nowadays. Can you are imagine? So uh,
0: yeah, being on a dining <laughs> table with ten more people and you, you just have your eyes closed.
2: In <laughs> I'm sure. Because not you know yeah, there are people who do that. Like if you sit with somebody very old, I remember
1: you know somebody father or whatever, they mm-hmm. would never speak at the dining table. They would just be sitting there eating very mindfully. I remember that of even Atul, huh. that even he would sit on the dining table and he would focus on his food. He wasn't interested in chit chat or whatever. Yeah. He wanted to just focus on eating, but then he was a big foodie. <laughs> so, maybe there it okay. was a meditative exercise yeah. for
0: him. <laughs> yeah. So, who does the cooking at Aura? Like, is it you guys or uh, you take turns? Uh, how does it work?
1: He actually, Know what we want to eat. Mm-hmm. None of us really cook at all. Used to be the person who used to cook in our family,
2: Okay. and
1: uh, so after him, uh, we basically, when he was around, we were very sure what we wanted to eat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we were, you know, uh, he would he would kind of put together stuff for us, mm-hmm. and so now we we basically eat very very simple food. Yeah, and we have uh, we have Anandaya at home who
0: does all the cooking. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so also, I see, you know, my uh, some of my friends and uh, people I come across and we have this discussion about food, um, they say they don't give importance to eating and they and it's like the least important thing in the day, you know. It's just a waste of time. So, we just want to quickly finish it and get done with it. So, I think, yeah, probably it's a very different mindset that how we need to look at eating and food. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. So, next, next thing is... Uh, um, i remember also again that uh, you once mentioned that you try to be a mentor to your girls and uh, so um, anuja has two daughters anya and ada who who are one is 26 and anya is uh, 24. 24 okay yeah. um, so i remember that you know you you said that you try to be a mentor to them and not be a strict mom with a danda uh, because you guys together work of course at um, at uh, the Red Alchemy also and uh, your whole ideology of uh, bringing up your kids is, I I feel it's very, it's more rational and so how do you kind of like uh, form a line between you know what can be done what cannot be done and yet they kind of uh, explore themselves and grow?
1: So I think now so there are no lines of what can be done, what can't be done. they are 24 and 26, I like, dare not say what, what No, can no, be done,
0: I'm what telling can't you can't a lot of parents <laughs> still do
1: that. <laughs> I don't think I have told them what to do, what not to do for the last 3-4 years now. Yeah. I think ever since they were like easily, uh, 18 onwards. Wow. But uh, I think uh, my relationship with my kids has been very um, very free-flowing and very uh, like easy. You Mm -hmm. know, we don't get set up about things that we may say to each other. Mm -hmm. And to kind of uh, give you a little bit of background, as parents, uh, Atul and I were very clear on a few things. That you know, firstly, we will never use each other as conduits to pass on messages, which is a very common thing in Indian families at least. That the father may tell the mother that you better explain to her Ah, and better tell him you know that sort of thing so that Mm -hmm. was one thing that we were very clear that we never passed messages to our children Mm -hmm. through each other Mm -hmm. and uh, with the girls also it was very clear that I'm not going to be passing messages to dad you know from you Um. so whatever we wanted to say to anybody had to be said
2: with eye contact face
1: to face without you know even taking the route of WhatsApp messages or mm. stuff like that because you can never tell the tone of what you're trying to say right, right. and mm. we must be bold enough and brave enough to talk directly and face to face with mm. ample eye contact because that's important
2: Yeah.
1: so firstly that is the background to the parenting that we did mm. secondly we because we didn't have a, we were a nuclear company so we pretty much just did our own thing and uh, Atul and I as Um, while we considered ourselves uh, responsible parents Hmm. we weren't you know uh, overbearing or um, we were a little informal it wasn't like you know oh this is parenting and we have to do a good job blah blah Mm
2: blah you know
1: (laughs) like people take it too seriously and they get all this thing about you know I'm the perfect child and all so we, we raised our kids with the premise that every parent will make mistakes and they'll screw up
2: Hmm. and
1: uh, every, every child will curse their parents to some extent and that's okay <laughs> <laughs> so we went with that premise and we said gave within these parameters let's do the best that we can mm-hmm. so, so I think that's the way we went and now of course so the girls are 24-26 and uh, we, uh, the three of us uh, pretty much live like we are three friends who live in our Great. home together yeah. and uh, they share everything uh, you know, and we have a very open, uh, mutually uh, fulfilling relationship. It's not like I feel overly dependent on them, yeah. or they feel overly yeah. dependent on me. And all three of us are working together in red alchemy. But all three of us are also, uh, you know, pursuing our own like passions or hobbies, or right. maybe yeah. we have a life of our own also. So hmm. I think that is. You know, live and let live attitudes with yeah, them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, as far as permissions go, I think I'm taking more permission from them nowadays <laughs> than they are. Are you serious? <laughs> like, can I have another beer? <laughs> and like, no, maybe and you shouldn't have another
0: beer. <laughs> wow. no, I like how tables are turning now. <laughs> yeah, tables do end up turning, you know, as
1: parents so older and children become it does happen. So, all the revenge, you need to take can be taken when you are older, mm. <laughs> on a lighter note. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's how it is. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So going, good, good communication. Yeah. Uh, if you feel bad about something, we just kind of openly talk about it. We don't yeah. hold it and say we as a family don't sleep on anything that has upset us. Right. Uh right. We sort it out and then go to bed. Mm. And you are asleep, so we all want to sleep well. So I think these are small little things, but they all add up to, you know, a good relationship. And this is not just a child and parent relationship, it's anybody. uh, True. Yeah. Anybody relationship between any two people, it could be a, you know, a, even a subordinate at work,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: instead of telling five other people about your angst, it's best to talk to the person that you have angst with. Right. It always helps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, it's more a way of life than anything. And 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 right, right.
0: Cool, so I, I think uh, I don't want to drag this uh, episode further, and uh, before the audience sleeps off, or you know, they're like, ah, more than 30 minutes. <laughs> so cool, so I think we'll just wind it up here. And uh, thank you so much for coming here, and uh, thank you for being you, for this beautiful soul that you are, and how the millennials would call it goals in inverted commas for many of us around. <laughs> I really wish that, you know, you grow deeper in your journey inwards and thank you again for coming thank here. Thank you so much and seeing you take care. Okay, so that was Anuja Latt. Something that I kind of forgot to mention earlier is that she lost her husband Atul last year to cardiac arrest. However, it's overwhelming to see how she and her daughters have held themselves together and are steering the ship forward with much grit, yet staying very rooted to their core also meeting her kind of came at the same time when i was grieving about papa last year and this uncanny similarity in our situations gave me a live example sort of to how to hold ourselves together um, in a stormy stage like this of life okay so going back to the conversation there were numerous lessons for me what are you taking back from this I'm trying not to put forward all the lessons on the table for you, believing that we all have capabilities to infer and adopt what suits us and live for a bigger meaning. Okay, so this is where I sign out. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram or you can mail to me for collaboration, workshops or to feature on the show. Both are mentioned in the description above. So this was me, Ashreen from the Beyond series leaving you all with a happy or a truly happy Sunday. I'll see you all next weekend. Bye-bye. Ta-da. Okay, enough. Shut up, Ashreen.